Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anyway, with that in mind, uh, that was the foundation establishing some of the premises that we're building on now. And then with the Thursday night class on the book of Revelation where we emphasize the... um, the fulfillment of all prophecy, we need to answer the question built on the foundation of Colossians and with the question that arises from our understanding of Revelation is what what is there in Christianity for me now? If all prophecy has been fulfilled, and I believe that it has, In fact, let's just read one verse without getting into that as a theme this morning, but in Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21, uh, verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city. Now, what kind of an event is he talking about there? You're observant. You can see it the same as I can. He's talking about what happens, well, first of all, whatever it is that is happening, where is it happening? In verse 20, in Jerusalem. And so he's talking about what's going to take place in Jerusalem. He's telling, as in Matthew 24, he's telling the people what to do in verse 21. And then he tells us the summary here in verse 22. Because these are the days of vengeance. What days is he talking about? the days that are taking place when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. That's obvious, folks. I think Nolan's not in here. He's back with the children. But he would say you'd have to have at least eight doctorate degrees to misunderstand that. Because these are days of vengeance so that all things... What was that? Just a few things. So is that how you read it? Just a few things? No? I think Alex is wrong. (laughs) So that all things which are written that you and I have access to will, will be fulfilled. So we believe in the fulfillment of all prophecy with the fall of Jerusalem. The prophecy regarding Israel and its covenant is fulfilled with and prior to the fall of Jerusalem. All of the prophecies of the New Testament that Jesus gave. He said all of these things are going to take place in your lifetime. So go over to verse 32 of chapter 21 of the book of Luke where we just were. And notice how he summarizes, Truly I say to you, this generation 
the people living in this time frame will not pass away until all things take place. Now, folks, it can't be any clearer than that. So here we have a foundation based on the book of Galatians about, remember the jar? Were any, any of you here when we had the jar filled with lifesavers? You were here? You see, it, you have to be in the jar. And that was the foundation that we established in the book of Galatians. Then we studied the book of Revelation, and we begin to be aware, wow, everything has been fulfilled. There is nothing. So then the question naturally arises, if there's nothing left prophetically for the church to look forward to, and folks, there is not. You have to make Christ a fool if you think there is. He said that everything was going to take place in the lifetime of the people to whom he's speaking. Now, either it did or he was a liar, and he was a liar, let's all go home. And I'm hungry, so let's do it. No, that, you know, you got to put it together. So we're asking the question, why be a New Testament Christian if all prophecy is fulfilled? Now we're trying to pull it all together of the last three or four years. We're looking at Philippians chapter 3 and verses 8 and 9. In particular here, First Peter, did I say First Peter? No, Philippians 3, 8 and 9. And, and let's go there, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3. We won't spend any time there because we've been through this many times. But more than that, I count, uh, verse, verse 8, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Now that's as far as we need to go. Because we haven't got, we really haven't got a handle on that. Somehow we, it's difficult for us to get our brains wrapped around that statement of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's tough. Of all things that I want to know, the one thing that I ought to know is Christ Jesus, my Lord, and the value that is associated with that. And verse nine and may be found where? So that's where we're taking off now, places that I want to visit as an extension of things that I want to know. I want to know Christ above all things because it leads me into a place. And that place is in him, that one of whom I know and seem and, and appreciate the surpassing value of knowing him as my Lord. Now, where does that take place? In him. In him is a place, as, as the preposition in always relates to a place. So we are talking about then, what do we find when we are in him? Well, <clears throat> let me ask you one more thing before we go into that. One, one more question by way of introduction would you be a Christian today if there were no hell? If you took hell out of the Bible and somehow it dissolved, we're not discussing what it is or anything about that right now, just the question, if there were no hell, would you be a Christian 
And I would say that if that's why you're a Christian, you're not. Because when we study what there is in the place, in the right place that is in him, the value of knowing what is in him surpasses any other reason for be, be, being a Christian. It should never be out of fear. If we took heaven or hell out of the picture because of the surpassing value that we find in him, we should want to be in him because there is all the reason for our human capacities, all found in him. Heaven is the place where you become and reach the full potential of yourself as a human being. Everything that you could possibly be is realized when you're in God's presence in the endlessness of that situation. So, first of all, last week, or two weeks ago, we discussed that when, when we are in him, we move then from being out of hope into hope. And that little preposition into is there in 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 now. <clears throat> uh, well, let's just go 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Has caused us to be born again into a living hope. So when you're in Christ, you have a living hope because you have moved from out of hope into a living hope. So you ask somebody, do you want to have any hope? Do you have hope? What is your what is your hope? You stumble around, give you a lot of fancy words that mean absolutely nothing. They don't mean anything. If you want to have hope, you have to be where hope is. Hope is not just floating around out there as a phantom. It's real. It has substance and it is found in a place. Hope does not come to you. You must come to it. See, you're on the hook, not God. And you can feel any way you choose to feel about it, but it won't make any difference. One is either in or out of where hope is. You're either in where hope is, or you have no hope. It's that simple. So we promised that we would deal with the next phase here uh, as of today, that our hope is is not in what ends, but it is the, it is represents the endlessness of the very best imaginable life possible. And we'll talk about that more later, but now we want to be. We want to find out what else is in that hope. What is it in hope that we can fasten our thinking to? If you go with me to Galatians chapter 3, and well, let's go to 1 Peter 1, 3 first, um, uh, and, and then move on to verse 4. We're, we're already in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Has, I'm reading part of the latter part of verse 3. Has caused us to be born or enlivened again to a, into the, the into isn't there in your English, but it should be that way. Into a living hope through the resurrection. That's what gives us the evidence that there is hope 
is because of the resurrection, to obtain. Now, what is it that we go there for? What's the motivation? The inheritance. The inheritance. We move, and by the way, again, it is into an inheritance. Into. We move into hope. And in that hope, we have moved into an inheritance. So let's get an idea of what that inheritance is. And that ought to make... See, whether there... Let's just suppose again that there is no hell. Why would you want to miss on what there is knowing Christ and moving into Him where there's hope and the hope is the inheritance that's there for you? Why would you choose deliberately to miss it? And isn't that the strength of the Christian's evangelism? Is moving people into where God's love is. And where his love is, is where the hope is. And where the hope is, is where the inheritance is. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And verse 29. Let's go back to verse 27. No extra charge. For all of you who are baptized into Christ. See, that's how we get into him, is through baptism. If you have not been baptized because and out of your belief in who Jesus is, have not been baptized in water, you have not been added into him where God adds you to the body where all of this takes place. For all of you who were baptized into Christ and you're either in him or not in him, it's that simple, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. So all of that which makes him something to you and the surpassing value to you, you have become clothed with when you're baptized into him. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. These are not identities that you put on someone who is in Christ. There is neither male nor female. That's pretty clear. For all, for you all are all one. For you corporately, that's a plural pronoun, for all of you are all one in Christ Jesus. That does away with all of the distinctions that you hear about today on the news. There are no distinctions of those who are in Christ. That's what separates them from all who are out of him. If you belong to Christ, in verse 29, and this is, this is our primary verse. If you belong to Christ, now we've already talked about how you come into Christ. If you have been added to, to the body by being baptized into Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant. Well, what does that make me? Can you see it? Is, on the, is it on the board? Does it tell us? I can't tell. I, I can't. I just cannot read out of the back of my head. If I turned around, then I'm not sure I can get back again. You know, I'm getting old. 
All right. Then you are Abraham's descendant. Heirs. What's an heir? Is that oxygen? That's not oxygen. That's not what it's talking about. What is it talking about? Don't be afraid. You can read it the same as I can. Heirs is a what? One eligible for the inheritance. You're the, you're the rightful owners of the inheritance. Heirs according to promise. So when you are baptized into Christ, Acts 2.38 and 9, says that we, we are then going to receive the gift that the Spirit provides The next verse, 39, says that gift is the promise of the Spirit. And the promise of the Spirit is the promise of sonship, of heirship. You you have gained the right, you have become the rightful owner because of where you are of heirship, of the inheritance. Now, we look at what God has done in six days. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, the six days. A lot, a lot of, you know, think about the whole physical universe is created. That's quite a task. It's all I can do is trim my grapefruit tree in two days. But look what God did in six days. Everything that you and I can see, including yourself, God made a part of those six, uh, made, made that system in six days. What do you suppose He's been able to accomplish in 2,000 plus years that you cannot see now? That's what makes up our inheritance. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and. Um, <clears throat> Maybe that'll give us an idea too. First uh, Corinthians chapter two and verse nine. Just as is it written, just just as it is written, things which I has not seen, ear has not heard, and have not entered into the heart of man. Things which your eye has never seen beyond the scope of your human eyesight and even the eye of your understanding. Things that you can hear. Now, I love, I love beautiful music. I love the music, the harmony of the song this morning. But beyond the human comprehension, the ability to us to Comprehend sounds that go way beyond the heart of man, your deepest dreams. What? All that God has prepared for those who love Him. I have not a clue. I know what God did in six days. I do. I know 
you know, I, because we're in it. We're in the result of it. Sun, moon, and stars, the heavens, all the systems. All the order God did in six days. I don't know what he has prepared it now, but I do know that this word says that there is incomprehensible all that God has prepared. That's your inheritance. All that God has prepared. Did it take 2,000 years? Did, did it take an endlessness prior to creation? I don't know what, how long God worked on that because to him there is no such thing as time. Time is a creation the same as you. You cannot see nor imagine. It is incomprehensible what that inheritance involves. And you'd miss that. And people out, out here are willing to go to a false church which falls short of being in Christ that they don't even know and teach how one comes into Christ. That message is perverted. And people are risking their eternity because of a false doctrine. And you realize that it is more wrong to believe a lie than it is to tell it. You're held responsible for what you believe. So here, we try to document what we tell you so you can check it out. All of our classes, you know, we do them from the original language. So that you can know and check things out. Because, folks, we, we can't take a chance. We cannot gamble on whether or not you make your inheritance. We can't take that lightly. So uh, an heir is a receiver, a possessor of a portion of what it is God has in mind. It's the promise that belongs to us as sons. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. 8.17. You see, it pays big time to stay true. Let's read verse 16 first. The Spirit itself, that is, that which expresses the very nature of God. Your Bible may say himself. That's an inaccurate translation. The Spirit itself, being a neuter, testifies with our spirit, not a separate entity, but it is what we are. So what it is that God is testifies with what we are, that we are children of God. He's saying there is harmony, harmony. And if children, if children, heirs also. Are you reading? Is it up there? Can you see it? Heirs of God. Uh, 
And if children, heirs also. Did you ever ponder what it would be like to be an heir of God? Heirs of God? Heirs of God? Heirs belonging to God? And fellow heirs with Christ? And Christ said, when I come back, I will be glorified. We share in that glorification. And then he goes on, and we don't like this part, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed or is about to be revealed in us. And that's going to take place in the fall of Jerusalem. So that's a different issue. That word to be revealed is, has the word mellow in it, which means it's about to be revealed soon to them, just a few years more. And it was going to be fulfilled in its completeness. But you notice that we're going to be heirs, children. If we are children of God, we will be heirs of God. And if we're heirs of God, we are also joint heirs with whom? With whom, remember? With Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. Now, folks, that takes an imagination. We have to sit down and begin to ponder what it means when we become a part of Christ, we are added into, we are baptized into Christ, God adds us to his body, and in that body are, is everything that God has in store for his people, making them children and heirs. I don't know, maybe you don't want to be an heir. Maybe you don't want to be a possessor of a portion of what it is God has in store. I don't know that. But it ought to be the thing that motivates people in becoming a Christian as well as children in becoming a Christian. It pays big to stay true to where the inheritance is. Remember that till we meet again. Let's stand as we sing our closing song. Now, if you think I'm done. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.